going to hand those out over here, a couple people, and Diane. We don't need them. <clears throat> okay, just for uh, illustration later in the service, um, what I need you to do on the card is to write your family name, one per family, uh, and if you're an individual, if you're just a single person, that you're your family. <laughs> so write your name. <laughs> and then... Um, what I'd like you to do is write the amount of money that uh, on an average week you spend on groceries. All right, and we'll 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 deal with this later. But just on an average week, you know, if you're a single person, it may be 25, 30 bucks. You know, if it's a family, it could be 150, 200 dollars or more. Uh, <clears throat> and then once you write that, if you could just just fold it in half, and we're going to collect those in just a minute. So everybody, do that real quick. All right. <clears throat> Obviously, this is the last Sunday of 2008. Yeah, it's worthy of an applause. 2008, boy, it was great. <laughs> I uh, a year ago, I I actually preached 2008 is going to be great. I didn't realize it was going to be the year of the Great Recession. <laughs> it wasn't kind of great. I was anticipating, nevertheless. Uh, <clears throat> that's, uh, that's one of the many things that happened this year. And in addition to all of the economic turmoil that we've seen and are seeing, there has been some uh, great things that have happened, lots of great things. Um, I, I do think it is a great thing. Even though I may disagree with some of the positions, I think it's great that uh, America has elected its first uh, African-American uh, president. Uh, and, and quite frankly, I'm proud to be alive to see that. And it just shows, it shows something about our nation uh, that uh, I'm proud of. That, uh, uh, and it's exciting. And it is just an exciting time to be alive with all of the things that are going uh, through uh, and the transitions that are happening, <clears throat> you know, I think that, uh, again, it's not reported as a victory, but uh, from what I can gather, and uh, the war in Iraq seems to be uh, uh, winding down, and I think it has been a success. Uh, I think as much stability as a nation such as Iraq can have, we're, we're, gonna, we're seeing that. And uh, by this time next year, it's very likely we will not have any troops there at all, and I'd be glad. Uh, and it would be good to see us uh, out of Afghanistan, and we can be praying for that war to end as well. <clears throat> um, it was just this year, earlier this year, that revival uh, swept the nation and really the world uh, with the Lakeland revival. Uh, can you believe that was this year? <laughs> it seems like years ago. But um, <clears throat> uh, Todd Bentley and the whole outpouring in Lakeland, Florida, that literally drew crowds of uh, tens and twenty thousand, and a team of us went down, and we were there at the night. One night, it was in the auditorium, the regular auditorium, about similar to the size of Wing Stadium that was packed. And then the next uh, night, it was at a baseball outdoor baseball stadium. The first night, that seated twelve thousand, and we thought oh, there's no need to get there early because last night's auditorium only seated six thousand. And there were a few empty seats, so you know this is twice as big. And and uh, driving there, there was a traffic jam several miles long just to get into the parking lot. And it took forever. And by the time we got in, there were literally no seats left. And and the side of the field was filled, overflow. Had hundreds of people on this hill, uh, and there was a hunger for uh, God. And what was most exciting for me uh, when I went to Lakeland and saw what was happening is that the majority of people there, especially the night of the stadium, they were young. They were all, the majority of people were young people, people in their 20s. And um, <clears throat> Scott Jones and I were talking, even Todd Bentley, you know, we, we were as a church impacted significantly by the outpouring uh, in Toronto but well, that was 15, almost 16 years ago. And Todd Bentley's only 30, maybe 31. So he was just a kid uh, during the heyday of it. And so he was up there saying, we've never seen this. And I'm like, I've seen it. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean we've never seen this? We've seen this. 
But he'd never seen it. And that generation had never seen it. And uh, and I was like, yeah, this is just like the good old days, you know. <laughs> and Yeah, and that's how it works. And so it was really exciting to, to see. And, of course, countless people. I have a friend in England who uh, he... He, uh, what do you see? He hijacked uh, revival or something. He just, they uh, basically took the excitement of Lakeland and they started having nightly or weekly meetings. And he said it was amazing for about two months. There was just an incredible anointing. And they had uh, uh, many, many people from unchurched people coming, getting saved, getting physically healed. And so it, it spread all over the world. Uh, and I don't know what's happened with that. I, you know, I've not talked about it from the pulpit, but Todd uh, Bentley had some personal difficulties in his marriage. They're still together and they're working on it. But because of that, he had to step down from from leading that. Uh, but leading a nightly revival like that is extremely, even doing church once a week, is, is a very draining endeavor. <clears throat> and it was probably right for him to, it was no doubt right for him to say, okay, it accomplished, and what it accomplished, in addition to the the thousands, if not tens of thousands, of people who were physically healed and spiritually uh, uh, saved and, and rejuvenated uh, through that, is a demonstration of the hunger that there is in this nation and the world for God to do something real. Amen. And you know that's what this church is all about. That's what we want to see. And, other great things, you know, we sent Scott and Stephanie and their tribe <laughs> down to South Carolina. Can you believe it? Uh, and they're down there. We're at 70 degrees. <laughs> Don't you love it? <laughs> um, but uh, and that's exciting. Uh, we took our third uh, third team to Japan. Uh, so uh, that was an exciting accomplishment. And while we we're there, three uh, Japanese men, young men in their 20s. Uh, committed their lives to the Lord, which again is is just a, I can't communicate to you how significant that is. That uh, Japanese, full blood Japanese men, um, uh, it's very very rare to see them come to the Lord because there's so many cultural uh, obstacles uh, for them to overcome. But they were they were it was clear. I mean, the one that I was directly involved with. Uh, Kaku, Dennis's wife, who speaks of uh, Japanese, she's full-blood Japanese. I mean, we basically were we were trying to talk them out of it because we didn't want them to do it out of obligation. We wanted to make sure that he was really convinced, uh, and he was, and he insisted. He kept. I was like, yes, yes, no, you know, hi, 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 hi. I mean, just. So it was very exciting. Uh, of course, many, many other great... I, I can't go over everything that's happened in the world, the nation, our church, or even our individual lives, but great things have have happened this year. <clears throat> 2008 did turn out to be great. 2009 is going to be just fine. <laughs> it's okay. 2009 is going to be fine. Uh, let's not get... Uh, overly concerned. I do want to share some principles about how to end the year right. <clears throat> PowerPoint. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes uh, 7, 8, if you have your Bible, turn to it. It says in the New King James, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. The end of a thing is better than the beginning or the new living translation it says finishing is better than starting and the idea that i had uh, quite some time ago is you know everyone loves a good ending whether it be a book a tv show a movie or even a story that someone is telling uh, at the dinner table you like a good ending it's it's an essential part of a good story is a good ending and a bad ending kind of leaves you uh, only with disappointment. And this verse in Ecclesiastes brings us um, significance to this idea that uh, what it means is that um, the end of anything is better or more important than how it started out. And there's kind of three 
different aspects or ideas from this. One is anybody can start something. But bringing something to completion takes ability, takes patience, takes skill. Anybody can have a great idea and decide to go out and start something. And there are difficulties in getting something started, but compared to finishing something and compared to bringing it to completion, it's easy. We'll do that at the end. <clears throat> and so it's important to understand that... Uh, the end of a thing is better than the beginning. Wesley, from a commentary, a uh, uh, preacher, uh, writes concerning this verse. This is kind of like the second take on this verse. Is that the end, he says, the good or evil of things is better known by their end. In other words, you can judge something, whether it be good or bad, uh, at the end, uh, rather than by their beginning. And he goes on to say, says, the patient someone who quietly waits for the issue of things uh, is compared to the proud which uh, puts instead uh, of hasty or impatient <clears throat> the writer puts the proud instead of saying the hasty or the impatient um, because pride is the chief cause of impatience if you're prideful you're impatient the idea is Wesley's bringing out the the aspect that in order to judge whether something is good or bad you really have to wait to the end of it how it works out. Judge the fruits. Uh, you shall know a tree by its fruits, Jesus said. And so, <clears throat> one, anybody can start something, but it takes uh, skill, it takes patience, it takes endurance, it takes ability to finish it. Two, uh, you can judge something better by its outcome or its uh, end rather than by its beginning. And third, you can also mean that despite a bad start or poor beginnings, something can end well. And this, this can give you hope. All right, How you end something is more significant than how you started out. And so it doesn't matter what your beginnings were. Whether uh, we're talking about how you started life and maybe you had a humble upbringing, uh, uh, poor family or disadvantage in some way. You know what? That's, that's an issue. You may have to deal with that. But what's more important is how you end, how you finish, what you do with what you have. All right? So the end is better than the beginning. So regardless of what's happened, whether it be the beginning of your life, the beginning of your uh, career, the beginning of uh, today, <laughs> the beginning of your week, beginning of your marriage, whatever, it's the end that really is more significant, more important. Well, with this in mind, we want to look at how we end the year right. And I have four principles on how, how to retire 2008 well. Okay? And the first principle is review. Uh, key to ending the year well is to review what's happened. All right? To, to end well, you must review it. There's a business maxim. Uh, uh, saying in the business world that you cannot manage what you do not measure. All right? It's impossible to manage well something if you don't have a handle of, of if you don't measure it. If you don't have an uh, idea of what's happening, you're not, not going to be able to manage it. Socrates, obviously a, a respected philosopher of old, <clears throat> said an unexamined life is not worth living. An unexamined life is not worth living. How many have heard that before? How many have never heard that before? How many don't know if you've heard that before? <laughs> like two-thirds didn't raise their hand <laughs> for any of those. <laughs> How many don't know what I'm talking about? <laughs> How many are not here? There's a lot of people not here. A lot of people have gone for holidays. Okay, let's say it again. What, what, what's the quote? The unexamined life is not worth living. When did Socrates live? Anybody know? 500 B.C. 500 years before Jesus was born. So this saying has been around for 2,500 years. Uh, it's one you ought to know. 
Okay, it's one of those really common quotes that everybody ought to have a handle on. One, it's true. I believe this. The unexamined life is people that just go through life, la di da, not know, not ever looking at what they're about or what they're accomplishing or what life is about. Is uh, they 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 miss out. They it's not as valuable. Second <clears throat> Corinthians chapter thirteen. Second Corinthians chapter thirteen verse five. All right, if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to it. Um, it's a command of Scripture. It says in the New King James, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Paul writes, Test yourselves. And he goes on, he says, Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless you are indeed disqualified. Clark, another commentator I like, translates this this verse a little differently he puts it this way he says try yourself pierce your hearts bore yourself throughout try yourself by what i have written and see whether you retain the true faith of the gospel this idea of boring yourself throughout like drill a hole right through yourself and take a good look all right that's the idea that this word examine, the Greek word that's used, Clark's trying to uh, express or get across to our mind what the idea is. That, man, what, what the Bible, what God is commanding us is to drill a hole right through your life and take a look. Take a core sample of your life and ask yourselves, am I living in the faith? Okay, examine yourself whether you are in the faith. This scripture challenges us to examine our lives in regard to our faith. Now, it's good to challenge your life, to look at your life in regard to many different things. How are you doing financially? How are you doing career-wise? How are you doing academically? How are you doing physically? Are you keeping uh, physically in shape? Are 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 you keeping on top of that? All these different aspects of life are important, but the Bible uh, specifically challenges us, commands us to examine ourselves to see, are we living in the faith? How well, this is a question for you, how well have you lived as a Christian this year? How faithfully have you represented Jesus to those around you? And uh, I don't know why, but all, all, all this morning, I've just, there's just been something tugging in my heart. And I've said this countless times here, and I'll say it again. You know, there's, there's a, a minimum of 150,000 people. Minimum. It's probably more like 180, 190,000 people in Kalamazoo County. That's, you can get to every corner of the county within about a 20-minute drive from here. So within 20-minute drive from this spot there's 150 to 200,000 people that have no connection with God as father with Christ as savior with the church as a family of God and uh, that upsets me okay it's our calling it's our destiny to be ambassadors for Christ to communicate the truth of the gospel so that nobody is left out that nobody uh, doesn't have a spiritual community that they can be a part of. All right, <clears throat> and uh, and so we need to uh, examine our lives and say, Have I been representing Christ adequately? How diligently have you been in your spiritual disciplines, such as reading God's Word and praying and worshiping and fellowshipping and giving? All the different disciplines, the things that. The Bible teaches us that we have to do on a daily basis in order to grow and mature. You need to review. You need to ask yourself, um, you know, spending too much time focusing on the past is not healthy, but spending too little time reviewing the past is downright dangerous. Okay? Did you get that? Spending too much time is unhealthy, but spending too little time is dangerous. Because you don't see where you're missing the mark. Each of us need to find a way to evaluate our lives, especially 
evaluating your life in the area regarding faith. One thing that I often do uh, uh, from time to time is I'll look back through my calendar because I schedule everything on my calendar. (laughs) If it's not on the calendar, it doesn't get done because I totally forget about it. (laughs) Even if it is on the calendar, it might not get done. (laughs) And, you know, an easy way is just to go back through the year and it jogs your memory. Oh, I remember that. And that thing that I dealt with. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, wow, was that? That's like this year. It's like, wow, revival was this year. Wow, we did that this year. So, or another way is uh, keep a journal, keep a diary. Many people find that uh, a very fruitful way. And then time, uh, from time to time, review, read through what God's been telling you and evaluate. Ask yourself, am I living uh, according to the faith. Second second principle, after reviewing your life, is to repent. Notice how it starts with an R. Isn't that cool? You guys all right? This is good? All right? Huh? You're sleepy? My wife said we're sleepy. Why don't you stand up and stretch? Ugh. All right. Doesn't that feel good? Okay. You can step back down. What was the first thing you got to do? What's the second thing? Ah, oh, you got it down. Well, repent. It comes from Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Matthew four seventeen. From the time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus started out preaching repentance it's really core to jesus's message uh this idea of repentance and a lot of people even christians even committed christians have some funny ideas about repentance the word means simply to think differently think say it out loud think differently okay it means to reconsider morally to feel compunction Say compunction. Isn't that a hard word to say? Compunction. Hey, you've been feeling... How are you feeling today? Well, I feel rather compuncted. <laughs> Punk, pumpkin. My wife made the best pumpkin pie for Christmas. It, it was amazing. All right, but we're not talking about pumpkin pies. We're talking about compunction, all right? And compunction is to feel morally that you resolved to change with the idea that what you were doing, the behavior, attitude that you had is bad or wrong, uh, and you have a resolve to change. I guess that's how I would... And that's what repentance is. It's it's uh, thinking differently and reconsidering with a resolve to change. Uh, Another definition from a different resource says, to change one's mind for better, heartily to amend with abhorrence uh, one's past sins. So heartily to amend, make a change with an abhorrence uh, to your past sins. So it's, it's really changing both in thought and in action. Changing one's mind and therefore one's behavior. Um, Repentance is essential and irreducible aspect of Christianity. In other words, you can't reduce Christianity to a more basic element than this. This is basic basics. It's part of fundamentally what it means to be Christian is to embrace uh, repentance. But uh, repentance is not merely a one-time act. And this is where some people misunderstand that repent and be saved. Yes, you need to repent at the beginning of your Christian faith, but it's really uh, an act that has to happen every day. It needs to be a practice discipline. Being repentant does not mean that you go about in a state of doom and gloom or self-loathing. Okay? Self-loathing is bad. Right? Everybody say self-loathing is bad. Right, that would actually be the condition of someone who hasn't repented. Okay, if you haven't repented, then that would be appropriate. Repentance 
is actually wholeheartedly, readily embracing change. Change! Sounds like a campaign promise. (laughs) Well, that's what Jesus Christ came to do, is to change the lives of each man, woman, and child on planet Earth, and He has the ability to do it if you embrace it. That's what He calls for, personal change. And so repentance means you embrace the change wherever and whenever it's needed. And it really should, therefore, characterize a life full of joy and freedom. Not, oh, I'm bad. All right? And this is where the enemy comes in with deception. How do you do it? You need to identify areas that require uh, repentance. Uh, Is an important aspect of ending well. All right? If you can identify areas that you need to repent in, that means you've learned your lessons. It enables you to step away from unhealthy and destructive choices that you may have made. And we all make them every year. All right? You've made some unhealthy choices. I've made some unhealthy choices. That's part of life. Repentance is God's way. He empowers you to walk away from those things and to embrace change. And we need to embrace change as a lifestyle. We need to be change agents in the community and not be clinging to uh, stuff we need to let go of. It wa- Repentance washes you of any lingering guilt and remorse. It frees you to begin to think and act right in a positive, healthy, and productive way that God wants you to. Uh, okay, how to repent. <clears throat> I'm, I'm getting behind, so I've got to hurry. How do you how do you actually repent? How, what's the process of repentance? Well, the first thing is just to acknowledge what you've done wrong, and acknowledge things that you've done were wrong. All right, quit making excuses. You had a bad attitude. Okay, it's a bad attitude, or you did something that was uh, not according to God's word. Okay, I accept that that's wrong. Accepting something, a behavior, and attitude that's That is wrong as wrong is step number one. Second step is to ask God's forgiveness for that specifically and out loud. All right? Specifically and out loud. God, forgive me of all the things that I've done that were wrong last year. Is not good enough. Especially if you could do it like this. I'm sorry that uh, God hears your silent prayers, but there's power in confession and confession means out loud. All right. You're not held accountable to your thoughts, but when you say something, you're held accountable to your words. All right. And so there's power in that confession should be out loud and it should be specific. God, please forgive me for being harsh. Or saying such and such to so and so, uh, as best as you can remember. All right, and as God brings things to your mind, James five sixteen says, "Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed." The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Lots of people know that end part. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much, but we forget that the first part of that verse is we have to confess our sins to one another, and pray for one another. And then we can see greater effectiveness in our prayer. And so you don't have to... Confession uh, to uh, others isn't required in every situation. But it is important to confess to another person if your sin involves that person. If you sinned against someone specifically, confess. What I did was wrong. Please forgive me. Okay? Uh, Or... If there's a sinful habit that you are having difficulty breaking free, you've prayed out loud, you've asked forgiveness, you've repented from it, but you can't break the habit, then you need to go talk to a trusted Christian friend and say, would you pray with me concerning this? Because I have a problem with fill in the blank. Say it out loud. Um, um, And... uh, you know, it's always a good thing because of this verse in James five sixteen to confess sins to other people. It's good to have someone in your life that you can trust that if whatever you've done, 
Sometimes you can stop doing a, a bad behavior, but you're, you're, you're haunted with guilt or uh, shame. And when you confess it to someone else, that guilt and shame can be lifted off. And so you need to find someone in your life. Everybody going to find someone? You're going to find someone you can confess? Raise your hand if you're going to find someone. Okay, raise your hand if you're not going to find someone. Chickens. All right. <laughs> Ephesians 4.22 says that if you put up, third step, first step is to acknowledge that you're wrong. Second step is to confess it out loud. Third step is found in Ephesians 4.22. says that if you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on... The new man, which was created according to God and true righteousness, simply means you put off the old behavior and you put on a new behavior or thought pattern. You find a godly alternative, a healthy alternative to the unhealthy uh, practice or thought pattern. You ask God, okay, God, every time this happens, I, I have thoughts of anger and I want to kill so-and-so. Uh <clears throat> What would be a godly alternative, you know? And uh, <laughs> third principle. First principle is what? Second principle? How do you remember those? Third principle is number three is release. The third principle is about letting go. Here's a good quote. The only thing able to hold, only things able to hold you back in life are the things you're unwilling to let go of. The only things able to hold you back in your life are the things you're unwilling to let go of. <clears throat> Release involves forgiveness. Matthew six twelve, Jesus said uh, in the Lord teaching his disciples how to pray, it says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And he continues on in verse 14, it says, for if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others your heavenly father will not forgive your sins that puts it pretty important doesn't it okay forgiving literally means the greek word for forgive means to let go let it go drop it lay it aside or put away so you're going to release and jesus taught us that lord's prayer is to be prayed daily give us this day our daily bread all right so as often as you want to eat, you need to forgive. Most of us eat a couple of times a day. Some of us eat oh, many times a day. Okay, every time you eat, forgive. <clears throat> All right, Paul writes in uh, Ephesians 4, 26, don't let the sun set on your anger. In other words, don't let a day end. I, certainly we shouldn't let a year end. How do you forgive? Okay, acknowledge that what was done was wrong. You know, forgiveness is not pretending it wasn't bad or wrong. Rather, it's dealing with the severity of sin and letting go our right to retaliate. It's setting free those who have offended us, but more importantly, it's setting ourselves free to move on. Just like repentance, it should be done out loud and specific. When you pray forgiveness for someone, Forgive them specifically. If there's any issue that you can remember, Father, I forgive so-and-so for doing such-and-such to me, and I release them. I set them free. I declare that your blood pays the penalty for that sin, and I, I no longer hold that against them. And I also ask forgiveness, Lord, in any way that I've judged them because of their uh, this act or misin misinterpreted. Please forgive me as well. You pray that out loud. Seek silent prayer is not as effective. Okay? <clears throat> and then once you let something go, don't pick it back up again. Release it. That's what forgiveness means. And if you find that you keep picking it back up, what do you think you need to do? Pray to it. Find someone to talk to him. Pray with someone. Confess it. Join with me. I'm having a difficult time forgiving this. Forgiveness in my years of pastoring, next year is my 20th year in ministry. In my years of pastoring, <clears throat> I found it to be the most difficult thing. 
I've had people almost come to vomiting, okay, uh, because they couldn't forgive someone. Their, their whole body was like retching because of an issue of forgiveness. I'm like, wow. You know, the other person wasn't retching. This person, the person who was offended because they couldn't let it go. You know, and so they were all bound up. So get free. Uh, don't let's not let's make a commitment not to carry any baggage into 2009. Amen. I got to finish. Last one. This is a short one is to reward. <clears throat> Final principle end a year. Well, is to reward. We should reward ourselves for our successes and we should reward others for what we value in them. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is, that God exists, and that he is a rewarder. So right in connection with the belief in God's existence is the one character aspect about him that he wants us to understand is that he's a rewarder. He gives gifts. And it's so we reward ourselves and others as a reflection of God's character. Whatever you celebrate, listen to this principle. I know it's, I've been talking a long time. It's been 30 minutes. Hang in there, all right? <clears throat> if it was a TV show, it'd be only be half done, all right? <clears throat> Whatever you celebrate, you get more of, okay? Whatever you reward, you will increase. Okay? You get more of whatever you celebrate or reward. You got that idea? You get what you pay for. Whatever you give something for, you'll get more of. Uh, if you reward a child for a certain behavior, you'll get more of that type of behavior. If you reward an employee for a particular type of performance, the idea is that that employee and other employees will behave in the same way. But it's a general rule. It's a principle. It doesn't, you know, it's not precisely true in every circumstance. But generally it's true that if you celebrate something in your life, if you reward something in your life, you'll get more of So the, to work that principle to benefit is that you choose what you want more of in your life. And whatever you want more of, you start celebrating that. You start rewarding that in yourself and in others. Does that make sense? Okay, if you want people to treat you in a particular way, when someone treats you that way, thank them, reward them, treat them back, give positive feedback to them in some way. All right. And that causes a release. That reward, that celebrating causes a release for them and others to want to do more of that around you. How do you reward? Identify those actions and attitudes you want more of and figure out a way, prayerfully, thoughtfully, figure out ways, meaningful ways to reward it. It doesn't have to be uh, monetary, but it can be, you know, uh, saying thanks, saying I really appreciate that thing that means a lot to me, a compliment or special treat Uh, doesn't need to cost much at all. But maybe you you should uh, spend some money and and do something that's uh, that's extravagant. Go out to eat or take a vacation. And as I was preparing, just closing up, um, I actually felt God tell me to emphasize that you're to reward yourself for this year. Think back over this past year. What have you done well? Let's take a minute, you know, not right now, but later this week sometime tonight. What have you done well? Write it down and say, how am I going to reward myself for that? All right. And don't get over spiritual with me. <laughs> uh, you know, I can't do something nice for myself. No, God says reward yourself for something you've done right this year. All right. Find a way. If you're married, make sure it's OK with your spouse and go treat yourself to something that meaningfully rewards you for something you've done. That's OK. That's spiritual. And if you do that, you'll be better able to appropriately reward others. Does that make sense? Yes? No? Maybe so? Yes. Say amen. All right. Let's make it a habit to reward ourselves. So 2009 is going to be just fine if we review 2008 
well, if we repent of things that need to be repented, we release those that need to be released, and we, we reward. I believe that we will overcome any challenge, and we can excel in every opportunity through the grace uh, that God has given us. Amen. All right, Adam's going to come forward and do some announcements. Give him a hand. All right, good word. No, that's what it is. Okay. Okay. All right, we are going to collect the cards now that you wrote your grocery number on. I was trying to ask it. That's okay. (laughs) Communication is the key. All right, we are now going to collect the. Okay, everybody, pass your cards to the end of the row. All right. Sorry about the confusion. This is what happens when Sarah Gerber is not here. All right. Well, first of all, I want to say welcome to all of our guests. We are happy that you joined us here today. Uh, If you want to look in the bulletin that we've handed out, there is a connection card. Please go ahead and fill that out, and you can turn it in after the service at the connection counter in the back there, and we have a gift for you for our guests. Um, But also, anybody here can fill out the connection card for any prayer requests that you might have. And we have a group of intercessors here at our church that will pray for those requests. So um, please do take advantage of that. Okay, a few announcements. On January 11th, there will be an Exploring Membership meeting. If you are interested in finding more about... Uh, New Day Community Church and what we're all about and why we do what we do um, and you're interested in maybe becoming a member, this is a great opportunity to learn more about that. Uh, please do sign up again on the connection card. How many people will be attending um, from your family? A meal will be provided, so that will be a good thing to do if you're interested. Again, that's January 11th, so that's coming right up. Uh, there will be no kingdom experience this month due to Christmas and New Year's Eve and um, a lot of people being out of town and all that. Crazy time of year. We're just going to put that off. That will continue again next month. Um, all right, and I believe that's it for announcements. We're going to go ahead and take our offering. So if you, if offering ushers want to get ready, and we'll just say a quick prayer. Father, you are good. Thank you for blessing us abundantly. Lord, we pray that um, every dollar given today will be used for your glory, God, that your kingdom will be advanced, God, and you just just show favor on this congregation in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Sarah and Seth are down with the Joneses. Okay, there we go. And so I need someone. You know, last week I mentioned this vision that we're going to give away something every Sunday. It's going to be a year of giving, uh, and we're doing it, uh, one, to just kind of challenge people's perception of church as just asking for stuff. We want to give back. We also want to give, uh, uh, operate in the opposite spirit that's uh, kind of overcome the nation and this fear of financial uh, fear and economic turmoil. So in response to that, we just want to set this thing. At, we're a, we believe God. We're going to give stuff away every Sunday. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and finally, is that you know Jesus came. The gospel, the essence of the gospel is that uh, God gave His only begotten Son. God gave the most valuable gift, and because of that, we can we can be saved. So uh, someone has already <clears throat> given uh, 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 anonymously. Actually, I have uh, several gifts. Uh, but the way you can participate is that you can designate. Uh, just financially, if you'd like, money toward that fund, the weekly giveaway fund, uh, on the envelope. Or if you have something specific in mind, you can give that, and uh, we'll give it to that person specifically. But but I kind of felt this week that we want to give somebody a week's worth of groceries. And so <clears throat> so we have, yeah. Who wants to draw the card? Okay, Joe. Joe's going to come up. Okay. All right. Dun, dun. Cyrus Johnson. 
Where is he? That Cyrus. It's you. A week's worth of groceries. <clears throat> All right. I will write you a check right now, right after service. A week's worth of groceries. We're going to give that to you. Much. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, uh, John Frontaway is here uh, and wanted to say a few words. Frontaway, John, could you come on up? Where's the mic? Stand up. Frontaway has been part of this congregation for a long time. <laughs> and John's uh, recently gotten a job in Baltimore, and so their family will be moving. He's already living there, and he just wanted to... Uh, express uh, and testify uh, and is not going to cry. <laughs> All right, go for it. All right. Okay. You know, it's... I, I've always been more of the back up there sort of person, so being up here under the, the spotlight is uh, a little different for me. But I first off really have to just tell everybody thank you the last six months have been probably the hardest of my life and the generosity of this church to our family has been unbelievable so thank you all thank you very much Amy and I have been part of this church for somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 years. Um, we started coming here when she was expecting Gwendolyn. Um, back in the days when it was RCA. And we're now looking to the future. God's leading us away from here, from this physical location. But there's certainly a part of our hearts that's going to stay here forever. This last six months has been a time in the fire. It's been a refining fire. I don't think I'm out of the fire yet. Um, it's, it's still there. It's still going on. It's been a time of amazing discovery and personal growth for myself and Amy and, and the kids. We've all just really had the opportunity to learn our true provider isn't written on the top of a paycheck God is our provider, and He takes care of every one of our needs. It's, it's miraculous to see His provision every month, every day. And that's continuing even now. I'm flying back to Baltimore in the morning. The rest of the family is uh, going to be following around the end of the month of January. We're going to be giving up yet more, um, as it uh, we know full well how much of our stuff fits in a U-Haul truck, and we only got one U-Haul truck we can take this time around. So um, we're really going to be cutting back on what we have and, and really starting fresh in a new life, in a new city, in a new state. I know God's got great things in store for us there. I don't know why He has moved our destiny out that direction, but I can accept it and look forward to it but it's really hard to look back.
the group of people here has meant so much to me. And it will continue to. I'd like to ask for your prayers, especially for my mom and dad. They're having a really hard time accepting that uh, we're leaving. And are really, really struggling with it. So I'd appreciate your prayers for them. As well as uh, any help towards the end of the month that uh, the strong backs of the church could give my wife in loading up a U-Haul. I'm sure she'll have more details of that down the road as she gets things actually scheduled and whatnot. But I just want to say thank you again to all of you. Amy, why don't you come on out and go, uh, Kayla, is Gwen in here? Why don't you come on out? And the, the little ones are... Okay. Let's just pray for them, okay? <clears throat> Can you stretch out your arms? Yeah. <clears throat> Even though the whole family's not leaving right now, John is uh, taking off. Father, we do thank you Lord, for the many years of faithful uh, service, but more than that, Father, for their friendship, that they've truly been part of this family. And, uh, Lord, again, we would prefer them to stay, but we believe that uh, you have in store great things for them. And, Father, we bless them and send them out. Uh, And we don't know what it means, but we speak blessing and increase and father that uh, new location and a new job uh, often will stretch us into becoming new people and taking on greater challenges and so father i just pray a release in jesus's name and let your favor just uh, be all over this as it is already god that you've opened up doors lord we thank you for them that they will always be a part of our family and this church, even though they live in a different state. We bless them and thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. All right. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Nick Hayes is also taking off back to uh, Fort Gamble in Georgia, is it? Kentucky? Okay, well, I'll pray for you afterwards, but why don't you stand? Oh, <clears throat> yes, it also happens to be John's 40th? On Tuesday. 40th birthday. <laughs> Everybody say, happy birthday, John. Happy birthday. Hey, and so we're going to have cake and punch in the family room to celebrate uh, John's birthday after service. So why don't you stand up? <clears throat> If you have prayer needs, our prayer team is available on this side of the sanctuary to minister to you. Our prophetic team uh, is available on this side. If you come forward, they can minister prophetically over you. Otherwise, you're dismissed to greet one another and to get some cake and punch to celebrate John and give the uh, give him a big hug uh, uh, to bless him as they, as he goes out. All right, God bless you. You're dismissed. Hmm?